0: Welcome to the Earning Freedom Podcast. I am Michael Santos with michaelsantos.com and prisonprofessor.com. Each day I try to provide new stories that will inspire people who have faced challenges with the criminal justice system or challenges of any kind. And today I am not going to be sharing story or strategies about what empowered me through 26 years in prison. Instead, I have the privilege of speaking with a real community leader. We have John Odermat on the show today and he is not only a partner in bringing the Lions of Liberty podcast to market, which uh, he'll talk to, with us about, but he also leads his own podcast or his own program, which has got the the catchy name of Felony Fridays. John, tell us a little bit about Lions of Liberty first and how you got involved, why you're uh, working to spread this concept of libertarianism.
1: Yeah, Michael, first of all, thank you very much for uh, having me on the show and giving me this opportunity to talk about uh, this, this very important topic. Um Lions of Liberty um, sort of started organically um, for some of your listeners who might remember uh, your previous interview with with Mark Clare. Mark is the uh, host of the Lions of Liberty podcast and Mark, myself and some other friends founded Lions of Liberty um, maybe five years ago. I'm not very good with dates, so it was uh, a little a little while ago. And uh, from there, we've, we've expanded out. Um, about two years ago, I started a feature called Felony Friday where every, every Friday I'll, I'll take a look at a uh, you know, different felony um, having to do with, uh, I don't know, police abuse, um, drug war, different things, um, and analyze that felony and take a look at um, some, some of the impacts. Um, a spinoff from that, like you said, uh, Mark and I have a show we do once a month called the Felony Report, where we dig a little bit more into these uh, these these felonies, and
0: um, we're we're looking to grow from there. Um, so, well, tell us a little bit. Most of our most of our listeners, as you know, are people who are incarcerated or formerly incarcerated individuals. So the concept of Felony Report and Felony Friday is going to be really uh, important to them. Tell us why it has become important to you. You're a law-abiding citizen, never been in the criminal justice system. Tell me what what prompted your concern on felonies.
1: Yeah, that's a uh, that's, that's a good question. And yeah, I've, I'm I'm lucky to to not have not, to, to not have been in the criminal justice system. i um, you know. I, I've made mistakes too, and I've probably just probably just been lucky, unlike a lot of other people. But really, I think there's there's two events that stick out to me that have that have piqued my interest in um, in, in the plight of felons. Um, the first one goes back to um, 2007, around that time frame when I was living in Southern California. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the area called the Inland Inland Empire. Um, I was working in Colton, California, which is a pretty industrial area Um, in steel uh, fabrication. And I had a supervisory uh, type position when I started and I was working in human resources. So I was coming into this job very green with, uh, you know, I just graduated college and have a lot of a lot of experience. one of the first things that the human resources manager asked me to do was to help with processing applications, um, to help with the onboarding process.
0: May I ask how many employees worked for that organization? Um,
1: they had at the time and um, things changed, um, you know, several plants, maybe 15 plants around the country. And at, at our plant there, I would say maybe we had
0: 50 to 60 employees, probably 50 to 60 employees in that particular plant. But in 15, is it safe to say they all had about the same number of employees?
1: About that. Yeah. Here or there.
0: So a big population, um, close to more than 500 employees altogether working for this group. And what was the name of the company, if if I might ask?
1: Yeah. At at the time, the company was called Dietrich Industries. Um, I think they've been bought and merged as, you know, happens with companies these days.
0: So how did that go with you looking, sifting through applications? How many applications would you generally sift through?
1: Yeah. So yeah, exactly. I was sifting through applications. I I would sit down and have a stack of applications, and um, not knowing the really the background of the people in the area and the type of applicants they were used to getting. I was looking at his applications and I'm, I'm sure, you know, you've seen applications that have that have that box check for a, uh, a felony charge or felony conviction and can give the reason why. I thought I was doing um, something good at the time by separating the pile and moving the ones that had that box checked away into another pile and the ones that didn't, um, you know,
0: separating them and then going from there. Um, Well, let me ask you a question on that. Were you separating the file of the people who had checked that they had a felony so that they wouldn't be considered for further consideration? Or were you separating them for uh, further consideration? What was the purpose of separating um, them? I I was separating them to... at at that time to remove
1: them from consideration but I quickly learned
0: awesome love that love that truth and veracity because that's something that I want our listeners to understand this is a fact of life that if you have a felony conviction there are actual policies in place whether they are written policies or unwritten policies that will cause employers to look at you differently and it's your job and responsibility to prepare to overcome that these types of of practices, but but tell us a little bit more, John, about what happened with those, uh, what you learned from from this system.
1: Yeah, Michael, I mean that, that was a that was a bias a bias that I brought in that was that was not taught to me. I mean that was not something I was told to do, and quickly I learned I, I was I was I should not have been doing that. Um so it, when I brought those forward to the to the manager to, to show him the applicants I brought forward, he started looking th- through and he noticed there were there were none with the, the box checked for a felony
0: conviction or a felony charge. Could I ask you another question there and I, and I want you to continue, but this is so important to our audience of the number of applications that you received, how many? Would you estimate on a percentage basis if you received 100 applications, how many would have that felony box checked? Do you remember? I I mean,
1: I don't remember exactly, but uh, this is the Inland Empire. Um, This is manufacturing. So it's, 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 uh, I think, work that a lot of felons are looking for to get in on an entry level. So I would say it was probably 30% about that.
0: Uh, I would, I would submit so submit that that's probably accurate. So you told me that your supervisor looked at they didn't have any felons and he said something to you could you tell us a little bit about the discussion that followed.
1: Yeah, he he was a little bit surprised because he'd been looking I think he'd, he'd been there for 2 years and he had grown very used to looking at resumes with uh, with a felony with a felony uh the felony box checked and he quickly informed me he said, "John, what we want to look for, um, you know, you want to look at the resume, look at the work experience which I had been doing, um, look at all that stuff and just just ignore the box for now. And then when we bring these people in to qualify for everything else, talk to them, ask them about that time in their life. What happened? He said, the people that you have to watch out for are the ones that don't check a box. And we, when we bring them in, they lie and then you look on, you do the background check and it comes up and then obviously you're gonna be eliminated from from consideration. So, it, it, I mean, at that time, uh, that company I was working for, honesty was, was rewarded, which I thought was great. And that was really the first thing that really um, brought brought my attention to this issue.
0: That's really important for our listeners to consider. It's really crucial that an individual who has a felony background or is incarcerated or formerly incarcerated puts together a coherent plan, a coherent strategy to show that he is something more than past bad decisions. And based on what you just told me, it sounds like honesty is absolutely the best policy, at least for those who are looking for employment at Dietrich. In, you know at least at Dietrich Industries, but you went on to develop your career. Tell us a little bit more about what you learned regarding the injustices of our nation's commitment to mass incarceration.
1: Yeah, the uh, the the second experience that I, uh, that really changed me was, was uh, hit a lot closer to home. A lot um, was a lot more personal, um, and it occurred after I'd moved back to uh, to Pittsburgh. That's where I live, and I met my wife and. Um we we hadn't been married yet, but right before the time we got married, maybe a year before then, someone very very close to us uh was arrested when they were in college for selling marijuana. And what what had happened was it was uh, um you know an undercover officer had infiltrated his group of friends. And um I, I don't think you know this, this this guy was a you know big-time drug dealer or anything. It was a college campus and he was he was selling some marijuana. And the the cop infiltrated the group of friends and was able to, um, you know, pretty much encourage him, come back and ask for larger and larger quantities until it got to a level well, where they thought they could get him with. I don't know if the intention was to, to nail him with a felony, but that's ended, that's what they ended up doing. So he ends up getting charged with a felony. And I got to see from from very closely um, how that impacts uh, the family of that individual. Um, how that impacts that individual and just uh, the amount of support that, that they need to to get through that. He spent a year in prison, um, some time in the halfway house. Um, you know, there were times that, you know, his family helped out and my wife and I helped out driving him to He, he uh, found a job that was, I think, about 20 minutes away from the halfway house. So shuttled him back and forth to help him out. But a, a lot of the other um, people there in the halfway house didn't have anyone to help them. And I just got to see that how easily it could become a vicious cycle. And for something, um, for something like a nonviolent drug crime, um, nobody's been hurt, there's no victims. And just to see how hard it is to get to get out of the system for that. It was a huge eye opener.
0: It absolutely is a huge obstacle for anyone who has a felony conviction to not only break into the job market, but there are other handicaps that the individual must think about, and that's including obtaining credit. That includes obtaining housing. That includes finding a support network that's not going to judge you on the past bad decisions. And what I try and teach through the Earning Freedom podcast is that an individual can overcome all of those handicaps. Tell us a little bit more about your friend, John. What did he do to overcome the challenges that he faced? Well, I think, um,
1: first of all, I, I think the support from his family helped a lot. But he didn't become... Um, He didn't pick up the the woe is me attitude when he when he went in prison. He entered prison and he just immediately set his eyes towards the end towards getting out. He read. This is a guy that maybe had read two books in his life. He started reading two, three books a week. Um, He started reading the Bible. He started attending a Bible study um and he, he he just really focused on what he could do to better himself he started working out if it was just doing push-ups and um just focused i think he focused on bettering himself so when he got out that it would be easier for him and and it, i mean i don't know if it was easy for him he still struggles today because he does have that felony uh felony conviction attached
0: to him but Um, he's, he's doing well today. Well, you know, that's outstanding advice for somebody who's never walked through the prison system. Unfortunately, many people who are incarcerated operate under the mistaken belief that the best strategy for serving time is to forget about the outside world and just focus on getting through the day because they're, they, they operate under this premise or many operate under this premise that there isn't anything they can do to control the outside world anyway. And it's just, uh, brings more stress so it's better just to forget about the outside world focus on serving time and then deal with the complications that are going to follow when the gates open but as so many people who share their stories on the earning freedom podcast those who truly succeed do exactly what your friend suggests what your friend is do, did which is focus from the very beginning on what that individual can do to to prepare for success, look for literature that's going to inspire, find a way to develop some type of intrinsic motivation and focus every single day on what you can do to position yourself for the challenges that are going to follow uh, an individual after release. Did you learn any other insights in your career, John, that, that might help our audience understand what they can do to position themselves for success after release from prison?
1: Yeah, sure. We can, we can go back to uh, my California experience. Um, you know, that, 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 was a big learning experience for me personally. Um, just, um, but I guess uh, growing up, you know, I'm not going to say I grew up with a, with a, in a, in a sheltered, <laughs> in a sheltered childhood, but I wasn't exposed to, um, you know, a lot of ex-convicts and people with criminal records, which is probably why I brought in that bias when I had those applications in front of me. But um just interacting with um, a lot of the people, a lot of the guys with felony convictions on the floor, I, I, I quickly noticed, you know, I quickly noticed these people have families. You know, these people are trying as hard as they can to provide for their families and they're good people. Um, I'll sit there and, and eat lunch with them. You know, they, they were just just like anyone else. And that was eye opener for me and something, that, uh, something that, that really helped me out to know that, you know, these people need an advocate um, too many are, are, are writing off felons. It seems like there's more and more companies that are If you've, I'm sure you've heard of the, the ban the box movement um, to give felons a, a better chance. I know Apple um, was in the news recently for reversing a, a policy on a, on a ban the box and Coke Industries was in the news recently for announcing that they were no longer going to ask for um, the box for felony convictions on their applications. So it's. Um, I, I think things are moving in the right direction, slowly but but surely.
0: Well, Without a doubt, things are moving in the right direction, but it's still a big challenge. That box is only one part of the problem that that people with felony backgrounds have. Another problem, and I say this from somebody who served 26 years in prison and worked uh, really hard since I've been out to try and open job opportunities for formerly incarcerated individuals, is the individual can't seem to shake so easily that felon mentality. And so when they're moving into a job market the the band the box part or or checking that box doesn't speak nearly as loudly as how the individual carries himself because an individual can walk in And we can see that he is a felon just by the way he says hello, by the way he dresses, by the language that he chooses. And it's very important for those in our audience to understand if you really want to succeed, you got to deal with the world as it exists and walk into an employee place of employment from my perspective and demonstrate the value you can bring to that company. Be honest, show that you're hardworking, ask for a shot and then deliver truly crush Expectations, and that's the way you advanced your career from getting in the doors and on an entry-level position and advancing up the career track. But John, you you um, advanced, you went a lot further than just working in an H in an in a, um, HR division. You've gone on to build your career and and then volunteer your time to work on this Lions of Liberty podcast, which advocates for smaller government and you know more liberty for every individual, and that launched you. Into Felony Friday, and uh, you know so many other interesting projects. Tell us a little bit more about that work.
1: Yeah, um, Fe- Felony Friday has, has been around for about two years. We just had our two-year anniversary. We've uh, had a, there's a new article up every Friday. You can find it. You find the full archive at linesofliberty.com/felonyfriday. Um, some of uh, some of you know we focus on all kinds of different things. Some of our most popular posts that still get. Many hits every day. Google searches from felons um um looking into these things. One of them, one of the articles is titled, Should Felons Have Second Amendment Rights Restored Upon Release? Um and obviously that this article is, is uh, um you know pretty the title's pretty self-descriptive. Um it's something that that I think, at least for um, for for nonviolent offenders for victimless crimes It's something that if you're going to release someone and give them back their freedom, I don't know how you can say they're free without giving back giving them back the right to defend themselves. Um, so that's something that I like to dive into more in in future installments of Felony Friday and and on the podcast examining that more because um, I think there is a. Uh, the, the, it's it's an area where there's a lot of uncertainty. I know on the federal level, um, it's, it's it's pretty clear that um, you're not allowed to have a gun if you're a convicted felon. I know there's difference in some of the states, but just based on the search results and the amount of traffic coming through to this uh, to this one article still, which is written in December 2013, um, there is I think there's a need for. Um, formal, former uh, felons to get this information. So that's an area that I want to focus
0: on. Um, well, let me just, let me talk about, it. did you say that a, that a felon wrote that article and submitted it to Lions of Liberty? No, no, no. As a, Who wrote the article? It's an article that I wrote. I, I, was, I was just
1: referring to, um, there's, a, there's a lot of, if you go to the article, there's a ton of comments from, uh, from convicted felons Commenting about um, you know asking questions about in this state what, what, you know, what are their what are their gun rights for for a former felon and things like that um, the, the article is written by me, <clears throat> excuse me the article is
0: written by me awesome so one of the things that I'd like to share about that if there is anybody who has a lack of clarity um, the the federal government will prosecute people who have a felony or not only in possession of a firearm, but even ammunition. I've known people in prison serving the five-year mandatory minimum sentence because they were caught with a bullet. So it doesn't only have to be a firearm. And I've known other people who were incarcerated, uh, formerly incarcerated people. Uh, One individual, I wrote a story about him in my book, Profiles from Prison, his name was Gary and Gary went to prison when he was 18 years old for shoplifting. Actually, he didn't go to prison. He just pleaded guilty to a felony. And uh, when he was 18, when he was 24 years old, he was working as a mechanic. While he after he fixed the car for a mechanic, he took the car out for a test to drive. It wasn't his car, but he got pulled over during the, while test driving that car and the police officer ran his license found out that he was a felon opened the trunk found that the owner of the car had a shotgun a hunting rifle that was licensed but the felon was in possession of that firearm went to prison for five years mandatory minimum sentence in federal prison that uh, is not because it wow that's can, an unbelievable yeah. story michael wow not because he committed a crime. Not because he even committed a violent crime. He went to prison. He it was His first felony was for shoplifting when he was 18, got probation for it. But six or seven years later, when he was 25, working as a mechanic, test driving a car, had a shotgun in the back, mandatory minimum, five years in prison. So if you have a felony conviction, and whether, regardless of what the laws are in your state, Beware of the federal government because, uh, uh, un- unfortunately, uh, you, you, you could find yourself standing up for count as so many are in our nation that has a commitment to mass incarceration. So I'm so grateful to you, John, for bringing this to the attention of our audience. Tell us what more you have learned through your inspiring work with uh, the Lions of Liberty and Felony Fridays.
1: Yeah, sure. I can give you a couple a couple more examples of uh, some of our uh, the recent articles that we've uh, that we've looked at. Um, one, one that uh, was about two weeks ago that I wrote about a case in um, case in Baltimore, Maryland. A, uh, a man was arrested with 5.9 grams of uh, marijuana, which is a very small amount. Um, when he was brought before the judge, the judge laughed him, you know, laughed at the amount and charged him with a hundred dollar fine. Uh, Unfortunately, this guy didn't have legal representation with him and he had a a suspended sentence because previously, um, years prior, he had been arrested for dealing $40 worth of crack cocaine and he had a 20 year suspended sentence. And the judge who gave that suspended sentence had threatened at the time, if you violate your probation, you're gonna spend the whole 20 years in jail. Sure enough, three weeks later, he gets called back before this judge and the judge sends him off to jail for 20 years. So right now, he is serving 20 years in jail. The the man's name is Ronald Hammond. This is in Baltimore, Maryland. 20 years in jail for 5.9 grams of of marijuana.
0: How old is Ronald Hammond, do you know that? I do not, I do not. Because I was incarcerated with a Ronald Hammond from Baltimore, and I'm just curious if it's the same guy. Wow, that's incredible. So this, yeah. Tell me, I, I mean, I, I will actually look that up after I conclude this podcast. Yeah, I was in call incarcerated, and I wrote a story about a guy named Ronald oh, he's, Hammond.
1: I have it right here. He's 30, 31 years old.
0: So, no, this guy would must be a little bit older. He was about 31 years old and we were incarcerated together. Unless they have
1: the age wrong, which is possible.
0: No, I mean, there's plenty of Ronald Hammonds. But I can give you another one for Felony Friday that you might consider a story, and it's a very sad story. Um, it's a fel- there's a lot of people going to prison today for white collar crimes. One is mortgage fraud. I've got the story of two brothers who were just really uh, uneducated guys who became successful in real estate in the Central Valley of California, and they did very well up until the bust. Uh, around 2008, 2009, when real estate market started to crumble in the Central Valley, they uh, found one way of getting out of their properties why, was by giving cash back to buyers who couldn't come up with the, the down payment. And apparently that's against the law. So they're now on their way to federal prison for seven years when their only motivation was to make sure that the banks got paid back. But because they gave down payments to, their, to the people who bought their properties, they actually were in violation of mortgage laws. And so they'll be going to prison for seven years, starting a little bit later this summer. And the irony of this is is that there has yet to be one banker that orchestrated those orchestrated those easy lending laws. Um, Angelo Mozillo and the people behind Bank of America and all countrywide savings and all these people who made those mortgages so easily available. None of those guys are going to prison. And it's just always the small guy, the guy without resources, the guy who has no advocate other than the Lions of Liberty and the leaders at Felony Friday advocating on our behalf Those guys are serving big time while the big bankers are getting away scot-free. Does the Lions of Liberty have any position on those types of injustices? On injustices, uh, uh, white collar crimes, um, well, no, it's just of the powerful escaping prisonment while the poor are being are filling our nation's prison yeah, system. Yeah, I
1: think I think that's a serious problem. And, you know, that, it it doesn't take a it doesn't take a genius to, to, to realize that's what's happening. And um, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you've probably seen in the news recently, the. Uh, with the the I forget which banks it was, but six of the largest investment banks in the world were just fined something like six billion dollars by the U.S. government, the British government, um, for they were manipulating interest rates. It's hard to even say the uh, the impacts this this had on the common man. Um, it's hard to even quantify that, but. At the same time, these banks were fined. They have not prosecuted one of the individuals responsible for it yet. And yes, the banks should be punished, but maybe they will prosecute, you know, hopefully they will, but why wouldn't that happen first? You know, I think one of the banks, Citibank, they released a press release saying that that they had disciplined uh, nine employees by firing them. I'm I'm pretty sure that nine, nine 90 employees were aware more than nine of the employees were aware that this was going on. Um, And that's, that's why we have these, uh, these problems. They seem to just get worse and worse every, every, uh, every time they get just bigger and and bigger uh, and impact more people. Um, So, yeah, we we you know, I think a lot of the times we focus on the drug war, um, we focus on those crimes because they're just so just unfortunate, and we want to highlight um, highlight the the impact of people that are uh, being punished
0: for victimless crimes. And um, go ahead. No, I was just going to say I am familiar with that with that story. I have written a little bit about that story because I've also saw articles that although they paid six billion dollar fine for manipulating markets, they earned tens of billions of dollars from the practice, practice at least. And so they're just giving a sliver of the money back. And as you so so eloquently pointed out, it's the really the American citizen who was manipulated and uh, you know be totally beyond their control. And yet, you know, there's tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people who are victimized by that crime. And yet I will be surprised if anyone goes to prison for that role. So they just pay the fine. It goes on and business goes on as usual with the little guy going to prison and uh, big businesses are those who have strong allies uh, are able to avoid prosecution altogether. Yeah,
1: Ronald Hammond will spend 20 years in jail. And, you know, these, these guys would just get a job with another bank if they've been let go. It's it's disgusting.
0: Or, or it could have been a, a, a let go through attrition where they simply got out just by, um, uh, you know, they were, it was time for them to retire anyway and got their severance pay and, and right, moved on right. <laughs> to greener pastures. But um, I really want to thank you, John, for the work that you and your colleague Mark Clare do with the Lions of Liberty and bringing attention to some of the injustices. It's my position that our nation's commitment to mass incarceration is one of the greatest social injustices of our time. And we absolutely need leaders like you to to help uh, change this policy just through reaching out and letting taxpayers know what's going on. But perhaps you might have some guidance, some parting words of wisdom for those in our audience of what steps they can take to position themselves to overcome the challenges they're going to face upon release
1: um you know I, I obviously can't speak from from personal experience but I I, I can speak from well I, I can speak from what I've witnessed I can't speak from being incarcerated personally I should say um, and it, like like I mean I would follow follow what, what Michael is teaching um, follow Michael Santos's program you know I've just become familiar with it and I'm, I've just started looking into it and um, you'll probably see a, a future Felony Friday highlighting this program and, and talking about the need for it. So hopefully if there are felons out there, um, you know, just searching on the web, it, it, it'll give another, another you know, Google, Google site to, to, uh, to snatch that up. But I mean, I, w- I would say, you know, like I said before, honesty, that is huge in the, in the interview process. Don't try to hide anything. Um, if you made a mistake, we all make mistakes. Um, it just so happens that I think in case of, of a lot of felons, unfortunately, um, you're known for your worst mistake. Um, you know, a lot of you, you, you hear people say that, you know, anyone out there, if they were known for the, the worst thing they've done in the past five years and they had to take that with them into a job interview, they probably wouldn't get the job. The unfortunate thing with with felons is, is they take that in and, and they have to put it down in the paper and they have to talk about it. But I would just say, just be honest about it and be upfront. And then when you get that job, um, work hard. And you know, if you work hard and you produce, it's good. it's going to be hard to going to be hard to hold you back.
0: Well, I really want to thank you, John, for sharing your wisdom with our audience. And I will provide show notes at michaelsantos.com, linking back to Lions of Liberty, linking back to Felony Friday and linking back to any other contact information that John will provide. We will be back tomorrow with another inspiring guest on the Earning Freedom podcast. I am Michael Santos and look forward to talking with you then.